0: Welcome, everyone. This is Carlos from Seedcamp. Today, we're going to go into a murky area of the technology world, one that is uh, perhaps a bit of a mystery for a lot of us, uh, the world of blockchain and Bitcoin. And with us, we have two Seedcamp founders, uh, both in the space. We have James Smith from Elliptic and Jonathan Hoester from QCo. And what we're going to go through first, before we get started, is for them to share a little bit about what their companies are doing, and then we'll get into sort of the debate about the value of Bitcoin and blockchain. So James, maybe we start with you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So I'm James, I'm the CEO and one of the founders of Elliptic. Um, We founded Elliptic about two and a half years ago, and Elliptic is a blockchain intelligence company, and what that means is we do uh, analytics on blockchains to get a deeper understanding of what's really going on. So today what that means is we do analytics on the Bitcoin blockchain and our goal is to find illicit activity on the blockchain. So our customers are primarily financial institutions and law enforcement agencies. We do two slightly different things for each of those uh, but based on the same uh, underlying technology and data. So for financial institutions, we help them comply with Uh, the regulation that is relevant to them. So that's typically anti-money laundering uh, technology for them. So we'll uh, monitor all of their transactions, their Bitcoin transactions, uh, and we'll analyse where those uh, Bitcoins might have come from or where they're going, whether there's any uh, suspicious activity associated with them. And we'll assign risk scores. So a... Uh, a company using our software will know when a transaction is high-risk and when they need to investigate it. For the law enforcement agencies, what we do is provide a more forensic solution. So uh, law enforcement agencies, uh, and this, the bulk of them are in the US who are looking at this actively, but there are some in the UK and elsewhere. Uh, what they're looking for is to, to follow the money when they've, uh, when they've found a, a Bitcoin wallet that belongs to, to a known criminal, when they're trying to build a case, um, and when they're trying to get a, a deeper understanding of how the flows between the relevant parties that they're investigating mm-hmm. occurred.
0: Okay, well, we'll get into a little bit more about what the future for Elliptic is. Mm-hmm. You know, clearly that's where you are right now, but maybe we can move on to you, Jonathan, and share a little bit about kind of what you do at QCO. Yeah, definitely, I'm the founder of QCO,
2: and we look at a slightly different aspect of the Bitcoin economy, like Elliptic. So we are a proprietary trading company, which mostly focus on buying and selling Bitcoin versus other currencies. So if you imagine an investment fund in the fiat world, which buys and sells stocks or bonds, we do exactly the same kind of idea in the Bitcoin world, where we uh, have an opinion of where the price is going in the future, and we buy and sell Bitcoin versus dollar versus yen versus euro versus yuan as well. So China is a big economy as well. And we kind of have our own investment strategy. Like we... Have an idea where the Bitcoin price is going, and we bet accordingly. And we don't do this manually by logging into exchanges and pressing buy and sell buttons, but we implement our investment strategy in algorithms and then automatically trade them across the world.
0: Okay. Well, th- thanks for thanks for sharing, guys. Uh, now let's kind of go back into the origins of Bitcoin and um, kind of where that has spawned this industry of, of both companies that are going to take the blockchain. And move into other sectors, and then other companies like yours, uh, Jonathan, that is making money from from the actual currency itself. Maybe we can, for the for the help and helping the audience sort of come up to speed on it. Maybe one of you can can help me with the the origins of the industry and how old it is, and then potentially what is the the current state of uh, the industry? Is it still a marginal fringe one that is mostly just tech startups that are playing with it? Or is it something that the general population has started to adopt in in some capacity? Uh, Sure, I'll take a stab at that. So uh,
1: Bitcoin is a collection of technologies that have been around for a long time. So it's it's sort of one in a series of different types of um, digital forms of money. Um, and And a lot of these technologies have been around for a very long time and, and one of the major ones in there is public private key cryptography mm-hmm. um, so there's in some sense there were no huge innovations but when Bitcoin came into being was a white paper that was published at the end of two thousand eight and uh, the the first running version of the code started at the beginning of two thousand and nine and it was published under what we know to be a pseudonym, which is Satoshi Nakamoto. Um, Now, one of the um, romantic things about Bitcoin is that nobody knows who Satoshi Nakamoto was.
0: Allegedly, now we know. Well, I think that's been
1: debunked again. Every month you know someone else. Exactly, yeah. Some newspaper puts out something about it. We found out who it is, but it it turns out not to be true. Um, So... Uh Satoshi Nakamoto, whoever he or she was, um, or perhaps multiple people, um, put this code out into uh, the open world. And, and it, it started gaining a bit of attention from two, three, four, five people um, in 2009. And it, it sort of bumbled along for a little while and had a, a small peak in, in 2011 where it got a bit of attention and the price spiked up. Um, and then dropped back down again. And then it was 2013 where it started to get mainstream attention. So it started getting on the front pages of newspapers and the price really started ramping up. Venture capital money started going into the space and lots of Bitcoin companies were funded in 2013. So that was the peak hype, I suppose, um, was 2013 into 2014 the price of one Bitcoin actually spiked towards the end of 2013 at over $1,000 per Bitcoin. Um, And it started that year at about $15 per Bitcoin. So it was a real massive rise that year. Um, It quickly crashed back down again. And since then we've seen it sort of trundling along fairly, you know, $200 200 to 300 dollars today. It's around 450 dollars, um, but but there was definitely a drop off in um, in speculation in interest uh, in Bitcoin. There's been a real transition in that in the last year um, of people realizing that this technology might be useful for things outside of a, a digital cash, which is essentially what Bitcoin is. Uh, the technology is called blockchain technology, mm-hmm. and there are potentially other implications for that elsewhere in financial services, and I'm sure we'll get into that later. Um, but the, this shift from bitcoins, um, Bitcoin being hyped to blockchain being hyped, it has been the big change in the, uh, in the last year or so. Okay, so that's, that's a good
0: sort of transition point. And I guess what we'll do is we'll come, we'll come back to blockchain and the uses of blockchain. But let's um, maybe give Jonathan a chance to talk a little bit about how his organization makes money on Bitcoin. Jonathan, first of all, are you the only players that are are doing this?
2: Well, that's hard to assess, really. But the Bitcoin space looks like it's mostly small retail traders uh, trading on their own accounts for fun. It's really hard to assess what are the professional traders in there, or are there any professional traders in there. We believe that there's not many, so we're certainly one of the only ones, and potentially the biggest one, which actually try to make a living off Bitcoin and the whole economy. Like, and yeah. So I believe we're we're one of the only ones who do this. And
0: what is it exactly that that you do? I mean, is is CUCO basically doing what most people understand as currency trading, and you're basically buying, uh, you know. Pounds when there's specific price and taking the view as to what will happen. Yes. Yeah, so, so we have two aspects
2: of the business So we're a data company so we basically record a lot of Bitcoin data from all the exchanges out there and analyze that data and kind of try to understand How does price formation work? Like where does the Bitcoin price actually Get built because that's not quite quite a clear concept. Where does it Where does Bitcoin get its price because if you look at Bitfinex, it's one price if you look at uh, coin floor is another price, so we try to understand these dynamics and take a view on the market. Which means if we think, well, the Bitcoin price should be four hundred and it's three fifty, so we, then we buy Bitcoin. Mm. Um, China is a big driver of that. China is a big driver of this, yeah. So because China has a big uh, like. Uh, like gambling mentality. Hmm. So that they, they like to gamble. They like to speculate also in the stock market. So lots of volume of, of Bitcoin happens in China. And then also the Bitcoin happens also that Bitcoin exchanges in China are free to trade in comparison to European exchanges where it's very expensive to trade. So lots of action is happening in China. And kind of, it's kind of intuitive to understand where most action is happening, the most information is transferred. And thus the dust kind of the best price is found in China.
1: How do you think the business models of those exchanges work if they're not charging any fees?
2: Well, there's there's various speculations of, of, of how they actually make money. So one one obvious way is they they lend out Bitcoin to traders to trade, and that, that has a certain interest for mm-hmm. And they can make some money off that interest, but if that's enough to, to cover their costs is a question, because they, they have a couple of hundred people employed, some of them, yeah, each, and there's three each. big ones. There's three yeah. big ones, so there's, uh, there's Huobi, there's OKCoin, and... BTCC. And BTC China, BTCC, yeah.
0: So, I mean, the, the, the question here is, as we sort of delve deeper and deeper into how you're making money from, you know, variations in pricing, it still brings back the ultimate, fundamental question of what is the value of any given Bitcoin, not in terms of the value that you're cashing in on but the value intrinsic value of it as an asset you know gold has a value as an asset but bitcoin's purchasing power is quite limited these days i mean yes you can buy into it from a currency and then buy out of it with another currency but what is driving this sort of volatility what is driving this inherent value and is it a sustainable thing or is it just kind of like a, playing a, any other game where there's like a value ascribed to a specific digital currency and and you play with that as you would any other game
2: well, I mean, that's a difficult question, right? So, so something is valuable when a lot of people give it value. And and the, question, and the, the big question with Bitcoin right now is, is what is its use? And I think this year, or also last year, we started trying to figure out what is this use? Is it in currency? Is it in the underlying blockchain? And I think this is really what 2016 might be about. Is like, what is the actual application of Bitcoin? And what and where does the blockchain hype which which is going on right now where does this lead
0: mm. and what role does that put you in as an organization in terms of when you know that you have some some say in the market value like what what does that mean for you in terms of the, an organization today obviously it means that you're making money but as an organization going forward as like a key element of how that currency retains value and how people ascribe value?
2: Well, I mean, we're kind of, as a trading company, are in a difficult situation because we try to predict the price of Bitcoin and we try to trade a lot of volume. But the whole economy is, is relatively small. And once we're above a certain threshold, we start to, our prediction and our trading start to influence the price of Bitcoin. And then our prediction becomes useless so kind of our, our problem is what is our size of where we can actually add something useful to the market but on the other hand also not influence it in a way where we influence
0: the price of bitcoin so the, the biggest so success factor for you would be to extend the functionality of bitcoin such that the overall market would would grow i think
2: the biggest gain for us is if the market grows, like if mm-hmm. overall activity, like real economic activity on yeah. the blockchain, increases.
0: Yes. Yeah. And is there is there a structural limitation to the growth of, of Bitcoin? I mean, you could argue that part of the reason why the gold standard, you know, was was ultimately not the ideal was because of the limitation that it sets forth on growth. Uh, it prevents certain certain mechanisms. What is there one?
2: Well, I mean, you 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 mentioned like the the Core problem which the Bitcoin, uh, the technical Bitcoin community is facing right now is like, how do you increase the capacity of Bitcoin, and and maybe yeah we can talk about in terms of number of uh, uh, transactions that can go through rather than number yeah, of Bitcoin exactly like on the blockchain how can we increase the number of transactions because uh, Satoshi Nakamoto put an artificial limit on the number of transactions that can be kind of verified on a daily basis. And now due to the adoption of Bitcoin, that limit has been reached. So basically the number of transactions that can be processed by the system without delays is reached. So that's kind of these blocks are full. And now the question is, how do you increase
0: this? Mm. And so maybe that's the next wave of innovation. Maybe we can pause that for a second and kind of return back to where we left off in terms of blockchain, because clearly all this innovation Around Bitcoin has brought up the question about the underlying technology being applied somewhere else. what uh, I, I know James we've, I've sat in on several obviously of your pitches, and I've heard kind of some of the alternative verticals that could benefit from blockchain, but maybe you can for, for the listeners kind of walk us through kind of this offshoot from bitcoin what what ad- additional fundamental components can it add to other industries uh, sure so I mean the
1: the TLDR is we haven't got the answer yet, um, and a lot of people are trying to figure it out. There's right now there is a there's loads of hype around blockchain, and, and trying to pull the the signal out of all that noise is certainly tricky. And um, we were talking just before we started recording here about how uh, multiple financial institutions all have their blockchain groups now, um, and it's it's very much. Um, In a lot of cases, people not wanting to miss out on this blockchain thing that they don't understand. Uh, But what's what's sort of driving it is um, Bitcoin is something that is new. Bitcoin is digital cash that you can use on the internet. You don't have to trust the person who's giving it to you. They hand you the cash and you're good. Um, And that's truly innovative. Um, And Bitcoin sits on top of this technology called the blockchain, which is really a bag of technologies. Um, Now, digital cash will have some use cases, and does, and um, and I'd say today the biggest users of it are speculators, um, and then libertarians and criminals, and we can talk about (laughs) the criminal stuff later, because that's what we do. Um, Not the crime, but catching the criminals. (laughs) Um, But, uh, so cash in society is actually, in in general, legitimate society is kind of dying out. Um, and, and all of us are quite comfortable generally using credits and trusting that the person is going to pay later. Um, so the need for cash or, or Bitcoin um, is perhaps limited at the moment. So financial institutions who are looking at this are saying, hey we don't need the cash but the technology is kind of cool. So how can we use that technology to upgrade some of our legacy
0: systems? Um, Just to pause you there, what bits of the technology are cool? I mean, like maybe talking a little bit about the the sort of tracing yeah
1: well so so what um, generally people like about the technology is that it's a distributed ledger, and you'll hear the phrase distributed ledger uh, quite a lot and essentially what that means is it's a place where you can write down everything that's happened, uh, but it's not centralized so we all have a copy of it um, it our copies replicate easily. So, I've got a local copy, but it's the same local copy that you've got, and we don't have to worry about some central server that might go down. Um, the The dream is that perhaps this will simplify uh, security settlement systems, or uh, people are talking about putting identity on blockchains, and, and all sorts of things that might simplify banking systems, which today are lots and lots of different systems that are plugged together and it's expensive and you have lots of people checking in between so perhaps by having a ledger that we all agree on we can reduce a lot of that cost so that's what the industry is looking at and that's where all this blockchain hype is coming from Uh, but we are not yet at the stage where any of this is is going live so, as a company, we've uh, made the decision to continue to focus on Bitcoin for the sh- short term, because that really is live today. Um, and there are problems that have to be solved in Bitcoin. Bitcoin is not going away. Blockchain will probably have other applications in financial services, but until those kind of things are live, um, we're not focusing too much energy on that.
0: Mm. Yeah, go ahead, Jonathan.
1: Well, do you think Bitcoin is one application on
2: the blockchain, or... I mean, when I think when I hear the settlement, the settlement discussion, I wonder how would that actually work? Is it, is it a separate blockchain? Is it somehow data you write into transactions, or is it, is this still linked to Bitcoin, or is it something completely different?
1: And I think there are lots of competing, um, competing, or, or maybe complementary discussions about how to do that. Right? So the. Another thing you'll see a lot of is a distinction between public and private blockchains, and no one has really figured out what um, the point of a private blockchain might be. But a private blockchain is one that is um, run within a a trusted group of entities, and it it probably isn't connected to the Bitcoin blockchain. So what you're getting at is that um, we could use Bitcoin as a as the public blockchain to which settlement and of other types of assets is recorded, yeah. or we could do it on a separate blockchain, um, and and there are pe- people working on both sorts of things. There? Yeah. So
0: so, ranging from private blockchains and private digital currencies to public ones, what can you do to extend companies that are in this space right now that are specifically focused on Bitcoin? Is is the technology immediately applicable to, let's say, commercial, like right now Microsoft has, you know, Microsoft points, right? Those points are used within their apps. Is is the evolution of currencies licensing current digital currencies from technology providers functioning similar to blockchain and Bitcoin, but managing currencies on behalf of corporate? So Microsoft would pay somebody to manage their digital currency for them. And with that would come the services of Elliptic to make sure people aren't committing fraud on that digital currency because they, they probably deal with that right now. And then, you know, Codes of the world would manage the, 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 the way that people make money on that, that digital currency. So is, is that the evolution of this? I mean, I know we're getting into the science fiction of things here a little bit, but is that kind of the evolution of things here?
1: Yeah, I mean, so a so long time, the way we look at ourselves is we're great at... Uh, analyzing a a financial ledger, and pulling the patterns out of it and understanding what's really going on between the entities who are involved in that ledger. So, you know, that could one day not even be blockchain, but it it, it certainly could be that any, any blockchain, whether it's someone putting their point system onto a blockchain, or it's somebody doing security settlement on a blockchain, or it's Bitcoin, um, we've got deep expertise in uh, analysing that ledger and, and figuring out who who's trading with whom, mm. where the flows are and then as a, re- a consequence of that where is the illicit activity um, or, or what other kinds of things do I need to monitor as a business or how do I um, as a regulator monitor the industry. This, this is the, the kind of analytics we're doing today in Bitcoin, and we'll do another blockchain when they're live. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I guess
2: in this private-public blockchain debate, I think the questions companies like Microsoft, if they want to put, uh, like, uh, have their own currency or so, digital currency, putting points on it or so, the question they need to ask themselves is what properties do i care about in my digital currency or in my blockchain because bitcoin has certain properties like uh, this it's it's trustless it's decentralized it costs a lot of energy in making in, in enforcing the properties of bitcoin and these properties don't make sense for most companies what they want is maybe a database and a distributed database and that's there's many many good products out there and they really really need to understand why they want this and why, and if they come to the conclusion that yes, they care about the the decentralized, trustless aspect, then then it makes sense to use Mm. blockchain type technology. But
1: Mm. I wonder whether they ask themselves these questions. Mm. There's a lot of tail wagging the dog as well. There's a lot of people trying to figure out what blockchain is and then find somewhere to apply it. Whereas that's not normally how you go about finding technology solutions. you have a problem, and then you look for the best technology to yeah. to solve it, and that will be, in a lot of cases, that will be one of the databases you mentioned. Yeah. You know, It won't be blockchain, it will be a different database. Mm. But in some cases, it might be blockchain. Mm. Um, but at the moment, too many people are trying to force blockchain into all sorts of different uh, holes that it doesn't fit in. And this is probably
2: for a legitimate reason, because banks, uh, because settlement in banks is very complicated, expensive. Every company repeats the same kind of internal uh, architecture, but I mean, it's the blockchain is not like the clear winner in this
1: No, uh, and I think you know, to that point, it's probably in in a lot of cases a fact that some of these large institutions are hurting and are looking for ways to reduce costs. Yeah, and uh, uh, hoping the blockchain is that silver bullet that's going to come along
0: and make everything better for them. Mm-hmm. Well, talking about larger organizations, maybe we can talk a little bit about the inhibitors to the success of, of Bitcoin or, the, or broader adoption of Bitcoin. Um, to some extent, people started using uh, touchless, contactless uh, cards as, as soon as you know the tube had them and a couple of other locations that were convenient for them to use. And all of a sudden, now it's a thing, right? And Maybe from, from the circumstances that you find yourselves in regularly, what are the inhibitors right now that are really kind of preventing this? Is it banks? Is it, what? what is it?
1: Um, I think it's, to be blunt, it's the, it's a use case. It's why, why use Bitcoin? Um, at the moment, it's a very early stage technology um, and it's you know, to do with some of the technolog- the technical issues that need to be solved at the moment, it's not particularly, it's not easier to use than existing payment solutions. It's not cheaper in a lot of cases to use than existing solutions. And uh, really, we, we haven't, as an industry, figured out what this cool new thing is good for yet. Um, there are uh, companies working on particular ideas, such as... But,
0: but if I stop you there, though, like, oh, and, and the reason I, I want to interrupt you there is because there's a distinction between the where we are today and today might be restricted by interrelationship between organizations mm-hmm. and as a consequence of having those barriers there is no use case but i want to sort of liberate things a little bit more here and just let you kind of maybe help provide a, a more a, a, a more realistic 5 year plan if you were to say this industry is going to grow, it is going to grow, you know, there is going to be use of this. Which industries do you think would be most likely the first ones that provided these roadblocks get removed will be the first ones to adopt this because it will fundamentally change the way they deal with, with, with filling the gap. I was at a talk about three years ago where, um, I heard somebody talking about one theoretical industry and it was, the um, uh, logistics logistics and uber like services whereby autonomous vehicles would have their own bitcoin wallets and then they would basically behave as a distributed series of bots that would allow you to to pay and hire them at will Hmm. and that's an example of something can we see drones being the next big thing sure can we see this uh, network of autonomous beings that are being paid and, and transactions happening on Bitcoin, possibly. And I guess I just want to explore if we kind of accept the fact that Bitcoin has its current limitations, and that some of those limitations are coming from structures. What are the what are the next things that you guys can see? Like you know, you have so much more visibility in this space. What, what are the things that you see coming down the pipe that could be the sort of the the the, the key elements to unlocking? Well, <clears throat>
2: well, I think one company that's really does something different and it's kind of even if you understand Bitcoin, you wonder what are they exactly doing, and that's that's Twenty One Co or Twenty One Inc. Yeah. Twenty One Inc. and they released uh, a Raspberry Pi like uh, computer, like mini computer, which is a little miner, which produces a continue and is part of a bigger pool, which produces a, once you plug it in produces a continuous stream of, of very small amounts of Bitcoin, and. You can basically expose services on that machine and allow other computers to talk to it and pay with the Bitcoin in mind uh, for these services. And this has kind of, I probably didn't understand it myself yet, but this has some implication of how Bitcoin is going to evolve.
1: Yeah, because their their view, I suppose, is is what you were just touching on there. It's that every device has Bitcoin integrated at the core, so every device can pay every other device, and in this Internet of Things that we're moving towards, um, they can autonomously interact with each other. Um, So I think that that is a potential, you know, that might unlock
2: Bitcoin. Maybe, and and it is something where Bitcoin is useful, and that's these micro-payments. Yeah. Uh, if If you forget about the fees, this is actually not possible right now. Between computers, unless you use the PayPal API and, and, and pay a lot of fees. So Twenty One goes was...
0: backed by Qualcomm Ventures, mm. right? If, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I remember. I remember one of the examples that they used was using it as a replacement for SSL. So you would be authenticating um, with the purchasing of a secure session, and thus authenticating yourself. You're relying on the inherent blockchain to authenticate. And then create um, uh, a sort of an authentication process, rather than relying on the typical sort of certificate exchange. And so that was an interesting sort of alternative to the way that we think of security today, because it was effectively your micro payments are enabling an authentication of yourself because of the identity you provide.
1: Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm afraid I haven't sort of looked into that one in detail, but that's that's the kind of uh, it's these these transactions in in. Um, in places like that where it wasn't feasible before, where you know you go into a website, you had no payment method connected to it, and particularly one that could pay in small enough amounts like that, um, that's something that's much easier to do with Bitcoin because micropayments are easier to do. The, you don't have the same restrictions on it. Um, I think another um, interesting bit that happens as part of what we're just discussing there is uh, cross-border payments. The, Happen without any thought. So there's no thought of jurisdiction or or uh, different banking systems or anything. Um, Bitcoin spans all of that. So it's a, that's another place where where there could be real um, application in, and it might not just be in small payments. Right, it might be in big payments. If I, uh, you mentioned um, logistics or trade finance earlier, in international payments might be a lot easier if you used something that didn't have these uh, regional
0: boundaries. Mm. Um, one of the things that you touched upon earlier was this sort of smaller fee. Um, maybe I, I actually don't know well enough the the cost and fee structure of like a MasterCard and a Visa and these payment networks, but presumably the cost to transact smaller things on on Bitcoin is substantially lower than the exchange costs. Is that...
1: Uh, that's complicated. Um, <laughs> And uh, the, the point that Jonathan made earlier about the fact that we're hitting this limit in terms of how many transactions you can get into um, into each time period uh, is having a, a negative impact on that. So because we're sort of at the, the limit at the moment of how much you can squeeze into the blockchain, mm. people are paying more to get their transactions validated. Mm. So actually a lot of the time people are paying more now to get a Bitcoin transaction in there than they would to get a Visa uh, transaction and in. interesting, yeah. So there's certainly technical issues that need to be overcome before we get to that yeah. reality. I mean, conceptually, a Bitcoin transaction
2: could be free of fees, yeah. but the problem is you need to find someone like a miner which includes your transaction in its mining process to to validate this transaction. So it could be free if you find miners, but obviously that's like that's like a free market. So there's not that many miners out there, and you need you want
1: your transactions to, to go through and yeah. And miners have to be incentivized to, to actually take your transactions.
0: Mm. Yeah. Mm. Cool. Well, what are you most excited about that's coming down the pipe in your industry? Like what are, what are the things, is there like a new regulation that's going to be approved? Is there something that you're super excited about that you're like, you know, this is actually going to be a good thing, even if it's a micro step.
1: Yeah. I mean, we are excited about the growth of Bitcoin. So the, um, We don't have the answer for what this colour app is yet. Um, I'm not sure if anyone does, but hopefully someone does. Um, Or hopefully they're thinking of it in their bedroom right now. Um, But we do see the industry growing. We're seeing more Bitcoin payments going through. And as a result, we're seeing more attention from regulators, as you mentioned. Um, We're seeing more companies uh, grow. And, and that's great for us because what we're looking for is, uh, at the moment, we're looking to identify illicit activity in Bitcoin and that's becoming increasingly important. The, the large companies like Coinbase and Circle and so on um, are all having attention from regulators, which means they have to have good compliance programs in place, in place um, which means they need to, to use solutions like ours, which is fantastic. And then also on the, the law enforcement side, there are real cases of people buying things they shouldn't be buying uh, with Bitcoin, and and law enforcement agencies are getting better edu- better educated as to how to look for this stuff, and they're coming to us to use our tools for that
0: reason. Excellent, Jonathan.
1: Yeah, we definitely saw a maturing of the of the
2: ecosystem in 2015. So the exchanges we deal with, they got more professional. Uh, fees got lower because competition is higher, which is which is good for a trading company like us. And I think w- w- there's clear developments w- that this continues in 2016, which which is only good for for us as as market maker and proprietary trader.
0: Excellent. Well, guys, thanks for joining us. Uh, we covered quite a bit of ground in demystifying some of the early stages of Bitcoin. You know, we'll look back on this podcast maybe 15 years from now as we're all paying with Bitcoin and, and laugh. of of, of kind of the things that we didn't think we'd be using them for. But thanks for joining us, and until next time, guys, bye.